You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. After I quit my job and I was spending money on marketing, but it was more important to, to get that real proof of concept to then be like, all right, this is a legit business. You know, I started with nothing and all of a sudden I, I made money appear. And I think yep. when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur in whatever it is, you know, kind of making that first sale and giving yourself that proof of concept of like, all right, now I just got to rinse and repeat and do this a few times a month and, and I'll, I'll be doing pretty good. The We Love Equity Show is brought to you by Azria, widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking and support, along with profit enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azria.org. Hey, we love equity listeners. How are you guys doing today? I am excited. I'm always enjoyed. The reason why is because I am full-time in real estate and there's nothing better than to be a full-time entrepreneur. So if you want to know how I did it, you want to know how my, my guest is doing it, you need to listen up. So strap on your seatbelts and let's get ready to go on this journey. So with that being said, let's welcome and introduce Ricky Morgan to the show. Ricky, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, Marcus. Doing really well, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right. So, guys, just to give you a bit of background about Ricky. Ricky is here in the, in the Valley with me. We spoke, uh, what was that, probably about two months ago, three months ago, over at an event, and we just had some, some things that aligned doing the same thing. So, I wanted to bring him on the show and share his story. So, Ricky is here. He hails from the East Coast. He hails from... New Jersey, and he's virtual flipping, he's wholesaling, he's doing quite a bit of stuff. So, Ricky, I don't want to steal your thunder, man. Kind of give us your backstory, man. How did you get started in real estate? Yeah, man. So, kind of take it back to a college. So, I went to Rutgers University, I graduated with, with a business degree. I knew I wanted to be in business, but at the time, I had no idea kind of uh, what to do with it. I think like a lot of people kind of when they're young, not sure kind of where to go with everything. So I was applying for sales jobs in actually in Manhattan. I thought I was going to be, you know, on Wall Street. Wall Street tycoon, yeah. huh? <laughs> right, dude, you know, grinding out there. Uh, but then I applied for a job at Yelp actually in New York City. And it was like a sales role. And they're like, we're not hiring in New York, but we are out in Phoenix. And I come from like a golfing background. I love warm weather. I was kind of didn't have too much holding me back there. So I was like, you know what? Let, let's take a chance. Let's move out Why to not? Phoenix. <laughs> I, I tell a lot of people like always play out worst case scenarios sometimes. You know, I was like, what's the worst thing? I move out with two suitcases. I don't like it. And, you know, I moved back in a few move months. Back. But at the, at the same time, there was a lot of upsides. So I moved out here, started working a sales job at Yelp. And it was a good job. It was, I think, what I needed kind of out of college. It was almost like college 2.0. 
very structured, uh, you know, lots of training, you know, kind of like a team environment. And I, I really learned sales, which I think is, you know, anyone that wants to make money, get into business, learn how to do sales, learn how to get a cold call job when you're young. It, it's going to suck, but it, it definitely teaches you how to deal with rejection. It teaches you kind of how to, you know, keep a conversation going and, and bring up new points and, and, and try to, you know, persuade and convince. So I did that for a while and I was doing pretty well. I was, you know, in my, my mid twenties, making six figures a year, moved up in, in management. And all of a sudden I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I was just okay. like, I didn't see a promotion that excited me. I didn't want to be my boss. Okay. I didn't want to be my boss's boss. So I think a lot of people sometimes uh, see that in corporate, you know, that they, they don't want to climb up the ladder per se. Yep. So and, I and I you to, know what, you know what, yeah. real quick, Ricky, one of the things that you did that I always tell people is whatever field or career that you're in, look around you, look at the people around you. Do you aspire to be them in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? If not, you need to do something different. Exactly. And that was my thought. You know, I worked so hard the first two years to get uh, into management, which, which was good. And, and I enjoyed that for a little bit. But after that, I was like, man, I don't want to climb up this ladder anymore. There's, you know, no one's making the type of money I want. No one's living the type of life I want. So I was like, you know, this is, just isn't going to work. So um, I, I literally went on my phone one day after work when I, I came home and I was just kind of mad about having to go to work every day. And I, I typed in like, how do successful people make money? What do rich people do? And all roads kind of led to, to real estate. A lot of, you know, I was reading a lot of books of Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one of the first ones uh, that really kind of caught my, my ear for real estate. But just the idea of, you know, that the majority of wealthy people build their wealth through real estate really excited me. And then all of a sudden I kind of, I found wholesaling just kind of how to, how to get started because I actually bought my first rental property in 2018 okay. when I was still working that corporate job. And it was good, but I had to save up for like a year and a half eating ramen and tuna fish out of a can just to, <laughs> to get a 25% down payment. Cause I just did it kind of a conventional way, you know, put 25% okay. down. It was like a hundred thousand dollar house and it was good. You know, it was cash flowing a few hundred bucks a month, but I realized, man, if I have to put 25% down on each one of these deals, I'm going to be stuck working at this job a long time still. Forever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was counting, I was like, I, I need 20 or 30 of these. You know, this is going to take take a long time and a lot of sacrifice to, to possibly get there. So that's when I kind of pivoted. I was trying to figure out how to get into real estate, you know, buy deals deeper. I figured out, you know, if you can negotiate uh, deeply discounted deals, you can pretty much make money in real estate and you could buy rental properties for no money out of pocket. So that's where I found wholesaling and me and my, my current business partner now, Steve, who's out in New Jersey, he came from, he was building up a rental portfolio, but he never okay. knew how to find deals. So okay. he, he hates talking to people. He's, he, he's like a complete, like, doesn't like, you know how we go to all these events and stuff around town. Yep. Yep. Steve doesn't like doing any of that stuff. So, but, but he loves crunching numbers. He loves construction. He loves kind of being in the trenches of things. So it, it was a really good partnership. I think, you know, if, if anyone's out there looking for partners, you got to find people with kind of the opposite skill sets of what you do. What might bring you energy doesn't bring them energy and, and vice versa. I think that dynamic is really important. Sometimes I see partnerships where, you know, they're kind of the same person. They, they like doing the same things. They don't like doing the same things in business. 
and it, it's not really multiplying the productivity when you when you get joined together. But right. I feel like with with Steve and I, it, it's sort of really good where I just focus on what I'm good at, which is what I learned from Yelp sales, marketing, talking to sellers, getting on the phone, negotiating. And uh, he really handles all our construction stuff out in New Jersey. Okay. So let me ask you this. So let's kind of kind of take a step back here real quick. So you started with wholesaling. How did that, you know, kind of kind of walk us through that that first deal? How did you find it? Kind of kind of things, you know, because we have some people on here that, you know, maybe haven't done their first deal or they're looking to do their next deal. What did you do? You know, after you saw, okay, real estate is the, is the answer. What was the next step, Ricky? Yeah. So I was actually, I started doing some marketing. I started uh, sending out some ringless voicemails. I started uh, just cold calling some lists when I was still working that, that job at Yelp. Okay. Finally, uh, June of 2019, I, I was like, you know what? I, I just, I, I wasn't able to do the balance of like this full-time sales job and try to do re real estate well too. I know some people recommend that. For me though, it was, uh, you know, and, and I didn't have as much holding me back. I didn't have a family. I didn't, it was just me. So if I failed, I could have went and got another sales job. I would have been all right. Okay. Um, so I quit, I quit that job and, and to, it took me about six months to find my first wholesale deal. Okay. I actually ended up doing a deal with uh, Templeton Walker, local yep. investor in town, yep. one of the homes. So I actually was running Facebook ads and I've, I found a house in Scottsdale and, you know, I, I went to the appointment my first time I like printed out a contract. I went with like a little folder and it, it didn't go too well. Like I ended up just <laughs> kind of getting friend zoned by the seller. He liked me, but like, I wasn't there to try to buy a house. Like I am now, you know okay. what I mean? Okay. I was, I kind of walked into that appointment, just kind of not knowing what, what I was doing per se. So, so what do you think you did that was, that was wrong on that first appointment? I just think I, I wasn't going in there with the intent of like, yeah, I'm coming in here to, to buy your house. I wasn't confident on numbers. I wasn't confident in just kind of the whole process. Okay. You know, I think, I think now it's, you know, talking to sellers and, and what's really helped is kind of just that confidence that you have from doing deals that, you know, I almost felt like I was, I was faking it that first appointment. Okay. Because I was coming in as this cash buyer guy and I had never done a real estate deal in my life. So I, I think it's tough, you know, when you're starting out. And um, so what happened was uh, he, he went with some other guys, but then they, they backed out of their contract like a week before closing. Wow. Okay. And he already started moving out of his house. He was living there. He's like, I don't know what to do. And so I was like, all right, I got you. So he's like, I got to close in a week. I was like, all right, I, I got you. So um, I called up at the time. I didn't know too many investors, but I was following Templeton on social media he was all send me your deals, send okay. me your deals. Yep. I was like, here's here's a deal, Tim. Here's a deal. What we're gonna do. <laughs> so so we went back to his house and Temp actually came with me to the appointment. He went in, he was just kind of the direct buyer. And then he paid me essentially my assignment fee. I made like five thousand bucks. I think he actually ended up wholesaling it out and he made like five thousand bucks too. Okay. But I, I do recommend, you know, if you're brand new, it, it's a good idea to to link onto a bigger boat for your first few deals. So you can really just see how they operate and you know, you just want to get transactions done. You know, you don't want to be be kind of not knowing what you're doing, dealing with sellers' lives and stuff like that. So I, I was really happy to 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 pay him half that assignment fee to just get it done the right way. That's that's true, man, because a lot of people, they, they feel like they can just go to YouTube University and try and figure it all out. And then once they have confidence sitting behind a computer, but once they get in front of that seller, 
you know, it's a whole different ball game. You start questioning yourself, you know, am I offering too high? You know, what if I can't move this deal? You know, things like that. So it's always good to have, like you said, latch yourself to a bigger boat. That way that person can go with you and you start feeling that confidence and you can ask questions that you probably wouldn't ask the seller, but you can then ask, you know, like you did Templeton Walker and say, hey, you know what? All right, well, why why you want to go this route? Why you want to do this? Things like that. So you can get that really on the job training. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's just proof of concept when you're first starting out, right? Like everyone, you, you know, we're talking about big money for a lot of people that get into it. The difference between five and $10,000, that's a lot of money to yeah. people, right? It was a lot of money to me at the time. I didn't have to after I quit my job and I was spending money on marketing, but it was more important to, to get that real proof of concept to then be like, all right, this is a legit business. You know, I started with nothing and all of a sudden I, I made money appear. And I think yep. when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur in whatever it is, you know, kind of making that first sale and giving yourself that proof of concept of like, all right, now I just got to rinse and repeat and do this a few times a month and, and I'll, I'll be doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that confidence. Once you close that first deal, everybody remembers that first deal. Once you close that first deal, it's like, okay, this works. How do I do it again? Well, let me just do what I just did on this one and do it again. And like you said, rinse and repeat and keep doing it. Yeah, 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 totally. I think me and Tim, which uh, we both would have kept that house. I was like a Scottsdale house in Old Town for like 350 at the time. That ARV is probably like 900 now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what, Ricky? We always talk about this because even me and Mike talk about it. You think about all of the deals that you that you wholesaled out and gave up. You you look now, you're like, man, I wish I would have kept that deal. I wish I would have kept it, you know, but yeah. hindsight is always 2020, right? Yeah, I try not to spend too much time in hindsight. You know, <laughs> it's like the same thing. I'm always like, I, I wasted time in college and I'm like, college was my worst investment. But you know what? I met yeah. my business partner, Steve, through playing college golf. So it's like everything kind of happens the way I think it's supposed to happen. So it, it's true. Like, very true. Very true. So what was next after that, man? So you got that first deal done. You're feeling, you're flying high. You're feeling good. Got five grand in your pocket. What was next? Yeah. I mean, I, I think after that, it was almost right at the same time. I, I didn't have too much going. Luckily I, I closed that first deal, but I didn't have too much else going in, in Phoenix. I was kind of, like I said, doing all the work myself at the same time, Steve, he's in New Jersey. You know, we're kind of at the time, we're just talking as friends, as mm -hmm. you know, neither of us really had other friends besides each other that were in real estate. So we all we wanted to talk about was real estate. So every day, you know, we, we would just be talking about different things. And, you know, we just realized, hey, why don't we partner up? It, it seems like you struggle with talking to sellers, you know, generating leads. I didn't really know the back end of stuff, you know, how to work with title companies, how to manage a rehab, how to, you know, just, just a lot of the actual transaction, right. transactional parts of just doing deals. I knew how to just generate leads. So we partnered up in August of 2019 uh, and we started rolling off some wholesales, but we, we were spending money on marketing. I mean, I was down to like a few grand in my bank account. And finally in uh, late 2019, we, we contracted a deal that we ended up doing. It was the first time we did a double close. We double closed on it though and made 80, 80 grand in one deal. So yeah, there you go. That's that was a nice quick money. <laughs> that was a quick 40K in, uh, in my bank account. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, I don't have to go. I, I didn't feel like I was about to have to go find a job. 
you know, okay. it gave me kind of that uh, confidence of like, you're, you're doing this full time and, and now you got a little, little cushion to kind of really grow the business and develop your skill sets. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's perfect. Once you pop that, once you really in that well, you know, 40 K now you're like, okay, I got a little cushion. I can really start expanding my marketing and see how I really want to do this and set this business up. You know, so I always tell people, you know, when you're starting out, yeah, you may get the start out with getting $2,500, $5,000 here, you know, things like that. But once you get that big one, then you're like, okay, wow, I can really do some things and I can really position myself with this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and that's, that's really how it felt where, you know, it went from, man, I don't know how I'm going to like, almost like eat tomorrow. I don't know, you know, just all that stress of starting a new business to kind of, and it's going to have a little pressure on you, but yep. it, it was finally where then I was like, all right, let's, let's think about spending money on marketing from what's best for the business. Not you're running out of money and you, you can't really, you know, spend more money at that point on marketing. So, yep. uh, so that, that, that really changed things for us to just kind of amp up the marketing after that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you is when you said you got started, you got started with online marketing because you had the history with Yelp and everything like that. Most sure. people, you know, they don't have the money to get started with online marketing. So kind of what did you do, you know, kind of getting started with your marketing? Yeah, two things. I, I did initially went to the internet because it's what I was familiar with. I was selling PPC ads for Yelp. So I was familiar with how, you know, pay-per-click worked as Facebook ads, all these different things. So one thing we did early was I created a WordPress website myself. I kind of learned how to just SEO and rank it. So the last two years were like one of the top websites organically on a Google search for like sell my house, New Jersey. You'll see our, our, our company Savannah property is one of the first ones. So that's always helped because once we got ranked, which took about six months, those leads are, are essentially free. You're right. not having to pay like, a, like PPC, you know, 50, $60 a click sometimes. And that's just for a click. Um, started there, but internet marketing was very expensive, still is in my opinion. So okay. transitioned into doing more data marketing. So at the time we pulled a bunch of lists, high equity lists for the most part, because we were trying to stick in kind of a, an hour radius in New Jersey where we buy in. So we just pulled high equity and uh, just ran cold calls, SMS campaigns, ringless voicemails. So once you have you know data and you have phone numbers, it's, it's actually not too expensive to, to run all three of those. It's pretty cheap, you know, you know, like a cent per text or a cent per RVM. So we did that uh, for a while and, and we've seen success. I think when it comes to marketing, we've tried it all. We've gotten deals from all different types of marketing. In my opinion, the data type marketing, the cheaper stuff, it's, it's just more work. It's more yeah. work to set up. You got to pull lists, clean lists, you get phone numbers, upload it into this dialer, have a, a CRM, right? Yep. Like all these different things. Are you sending text campaigns? You know, you're dealing with a lot of tire kickers and, and even cold call leads. They typically are a bit more tire kickers. You know, I'd sell for the right price. So, you know, we had some VAs making cold calls, but all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm calling back sellers and they're like, oh, well, I mean, I said I'd, you know, sell for like the right price. And right, you know how that, right. you know, how that conversation yep, usually goes. Yep. I think as you, you know, get a, a larger marketing budget, what we decided to do was um, spend more money just kind of on more qualified leads instead of um, delegating 
our, our business out. So me and Steve are very much in the trenches of our business. Even today, we have no employees. It's just us. So we had to transition into when we got busier into more qualified leads. So, so now we kind of just do more direct mail, PPC, more teed up leads where it's not taking up too much of my time dealing with a bunch of tire kicker type right. leads. So quality versus quantity. Yeah. And yeah. it comes out of price. You know? Right, right. And, and yeah, because when you're setting, believe me, I know when you're setting up these uh, cold call campaigns and cold call campaigns and you're setting up, you know, text message campaigns, a lot of that stuff can be tedious, man. Uh, it's, it's just a lot of work, you know, and then you have to have your back end cold callers, you're managing them, supervising them, everything like that. So, yeah, it can be it can be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, that's all it was, you know, it was just, you know, as we started doing more deals and now, you know, I'm trying to do content, I'm trying to, you know, we have some other verticals we're trying to grow in our business. We just realized that if I was still going to do acquisitions, we had to get more qualified leads. So, you know, now we spend 15 grand a month in mail, you know, we spend about three grand a month in a PPC, but the good part is all of our expenses are, are pretty much directly towards, you know, direct to seller mark. We don't really have any other expenses. We don't even use any, I mean, we use a Google sheets for our CRM, you know, like okay. we don't even, okay. we, we keep things really simple. I, I've gone the complicated route, the, the automized, the system, the, the drip campaigns. I've kind of dabbled with it all. I think if you, if your plans to grow out a team, like a big sales team, it's good to have all those systems in place and, and, you know, be able to automize things. But I didn't really want that after working my sales job at Yelp. I realized like it, it would have felt kind of the same thing. I have a team. I got to manage all these people, right, right. you know, rah, rah. Let's, let's hit the phones. Let's, let's close some deals. I kind of already had that. And I just didn't want to kind of recreate that environment for myself. So that's why I kind of decided, you know what, I'll kind of stick on the phones. And with that, I think it's, if you're small starting out, keep things simple. I see so many people, they haven't done their first deal yet and they're spending 10 grand on a CRM or something like that. Like True. you don't got to be doing that. It should be, your, your money should be spent on um, revenue gener generating activities, like getting motivated sellers. Yeah. Talk, talking on the phone. I mean, that's, that's the most important thing is you got to be talking to sellers because you can drum up all of these things, have the pretty website, have the nice, you know, CRM dialers, everything else. But if it's not generating any income or any revenue, then you're at a loss and you're continuously at a loss. Exactly. So you're doing virtual stuff in New Jersey. Kind of, kind of walk us through what you're doing. So you're doing the PPC and you're doing the direct mail campaigns. Yep. So all of the calls, are you answering these calls live or are they dropping into a voicemail box? Kind of what's sure. your process? Yeah, I was just saying, uh, I felt my phone ringing and uh, yeah, I can see, see right there, D December mailer just called. So just missed one. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to get on top of that, man. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll give him a call back after, after this podcast. But yeah, so everything comes to my phone first. I do have um, a couple... They're not employees, but they're, they're, they're guys that I know that um, they're hungry to kind of learn the business. They're sales guys. They need experience. So they're, they're kind of backups to me. If I don't pick up, it goes to their phone. Okay. And then, and then they, they try to just acquire them. And you know, it's kind of a win-win where they get to learn on the fly with, with good qualified leads. And then if, if I'm not around to pick up the phone, you know, I, I think it's always best to, to live answer seller calls, in my opinion, not just letting things go to a mailbox. So we run all of our marketing through CallRail. 
So I just set up a bunch of different numbers. They all route to to my phone first and then a couple acquisitions guys kind of, like I said, under us, helping us out. They'll answer some phone calls. So it's, it's, it's pretty simple from, from that regard. I, I do recommend, you know, use call rail because you got to be able to track where all the leads come from. So every time we make a different mail campaign, I have it saved in my phone as different numbers. And then when they call in, it's the campaign numbers coming up, not the actual seller's phone number. Right. So that's, that's, that's a helpful little tip. Yeah. And that's going to direct your conversation because if you, if you have your campaign set up as, you know, a divorce lead, you're going to talk to a divorce lead a lot different than you would a probate lead. So that way you, you're kind of screening the calls without screening the calls. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, if you see that probate lead come up, you better be running to the phone and drop what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me this, Ricky. So you said that you have your, your partner in Jersey and you guys are doing flips. I know before we got on, on this podcast, you said you guys got two flips that's going to be closing here this week. So you're doing all of the marketing and acquisition side, and he's doing basically the disposition and the construction and managing project managing. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially that's it. We dabble into each other's roles sometimes. Like uh, sometimes I'll just really qualify a a seller and kind of tee up an appointment. And then we actually sign a lot of the contracts at the house. We've just learned that getting belly to belly belly with the seller, you know, old school kind of New Jersey people, they kind of like the handwritten contracts. So Steve will help a little bit getting those signed, but yeah, that's pretty much what we do. uh, Kind of the the way you explained it. So sometimes about half our deals are as is flips. So we're just closing on it. You know, we've raised a lot of private money, you know, a few million dollars and our, our purchase prices are generally only like a couple hundred thousand. They're on kind of the lower end in New Jersey. So we pretty much just close on everything with private money cash. And then we figure out, you know, what could we just sell it as is? What would it look like as a flip? And this year we're also going to focus more on keeping good ones as burrs since, you know, we're not, we're, we're kind of now transitioning into focus a little bit more on building up that portfolio. We don't need as much active income as we did a few years back when we were just starting out. So I, I think what, what really helps us though, is we're, you know, we're working like wholesalers, but we're actually like the end buyer. So gotcha. we're buying them really deep. You know, in 2021, our average profit per flip was $75,000 per flip. So we, we kind of, like I said, it's just me and him. We don't do high volume. We do a few deals a month. You know, we did like 20 deals last year, but netted right around a million bucks, you know, after all of our expenses and stuff. So we run lean, we, we buy deals deep, and then we just kind of figure out uh, what's the best thing to do with them. You know, I think some people don't realize like, my favorite deals are the ones to make a, a quick 50, 60 K as it is versus, you know, doing the full flip, taking four or five months and, and making yeah. 85 or something like that. That's so, true. And, and, and you got to be able to evaluate the deal and, and see, okay, what's my exit strategy here? Can I flip it real quick, make 20 grand or do I take it down and do the whole entire flip, make 60 grand or do I hold this as a rental? you know, and hold it for, for a lifetime and get the passive income. So once guys, once you get into that position, you can start evaluating each deal a a little bit differently. You know, everything I know in the beginning, everything is wholesale. I need the quick cash, need the quick cash to survive off of. But once you start really building, you will see that, Hey, you know what? Some of these, I just want to take down and keep for myself. Yeah. And and it puts you at a competitive advantage too. Once you, I mean, once you get good at finding deals, you know, sometimes it's weird. You look at a deal and you're like, I don't like this as a fix and flip, but oh man, I could burr this out, 
cash flow 500 bucks a month and cash out 30K in a refi. Yeah. Like it's weird sometimes when you look at certain deals, it will look really, really appealing as a burr, but it might not look good as a flip or some deals you're like, I would only want to wholesale this or do, do a same day double close or something like that. So once you have all these tools as well and different exit strategies, you're really putting yourself in a good position. I'm going direct to seller. Okay. So let's take a brief break real quick, Ricky. When I come back, I want to talk to talk about some private money. You were talking about raising private money. So let's take a brief break. When we come back, we'll finish up with Ricky. We'll start talking about some private money and some other things that he have like Flip Lab and what he's doing and what he's going to be doing next. So let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropStream provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love it. All right, guys, we are here with Ricky Morgan, who hails out of Phoenix, but he's a virtual fix and flipper and wholesaler on the East Coast. So Ricky, before we left, we were talking about, you know, the different ways to dispo a property. You can either, you know, wholesale it, double close, fix and flip, hold it as a rental, burr it. You know, there's many different strategies once you become really a true professional investor. So you were talking about private money and raising private money. How did you get started at raising private capital? Yeah. So I think what a lot of people don't realize is how much money is truly out there and how many people might be a good private money lender for them that they never realized. I, I know me initially, I was thinking more like, man, I, I'm going to have to like go to the country club, like find some, you know, me as a golfer, right. like find, find the really rich guys uh, with all this money and, and try to convince them. But, but what we did was actually, I just started posting what I was doing. So when I first started out, started wholesaling, I was just posting on like social media and stuff like, you know, deals under contract, we're moving deals, we're doing business, send me, you know, I'm looking to buy. As time went on, certain friends, family, colleagues, just different people uh, would reach out and they're like, hey, like, I, I love what you're doing. I see you got into real estate. I've been thinking about it. A lot of the times those conversations though end in, well, I have a full-time job and a family. Like I don't have time to, that sounds really cool, but I don't have time to do this whole fix and flip thing after learning more about it. So at that time I, I pivot the conversations into, well, you know, it sounds like you, you have some cash laying around. Like, why don't you give that to us? We'll pay you, you know, 10% interest only on the back end when we sell our flips, which is what we pay pretty much all of our private lenders. Yep. Uh, they'll fund 100% of the purchase and the rehab. And then we don't have to even make monthly payments. So we just pay them off the profits on the back end when we sell. So the money just kind of came to me from providing value and telling people what I did. And then, you know, just finding the right people in your life. Like one of my best friends, dad is our, is one of our private lenders. He sold, uh, he owned a body shop, our, you know, our whole life growing up, we would go over there and he sold it. 
And I remember I was like, Paul, you know, what's next? And he's like, I don't know, man, I have all this cash now. And like trying to figure out what to do. I was like, you want to lend some to us? And he's like, I could do that. And a lot of people don't, they don't have a great options to get like a 10% back yeah. on their money by doing nothing. You know, it's like, you see people trying to, you know, buy stocks or Bitcoin, but it's up and down here. You know, this is backed by, you know, they're in first lean position on real estate that we're buying at deep discounts. So it's a pretty safe investment for them. And, and it really works out for us as well because private money is the best. You know, we, we yep. hit up our lender and we're just like, Hey, we need $200,000. They just send a wire. There's no, you know, Back appraisals, and inspections, there's no, yeah. <laughs> no draws like with hard money. And don't get me wrong. When you're brand new, uh, you probably got to start out with hard money, you know, because a lot of people, they're just not going to trust you with funds when right. you haven't done any deals, right? Like it takes, you got to kind of show that you can execute and, and do good deals before that kind of opens up. But yeah, man, uh, you definitely want to try to eventually get to the point where you have private money to, to fund your deals. Yeah. One of my, one, it was funny. One of my private lenders, they, they put out a post on Facebook a couple of weeks ago and they were just saying how they were excited because they made 13 K only by sending wires. You know, they were like, Hey, we made 13 K off of our money. They got 13% return sure. on money. And they were like, Hey, we made, we, we made this money and we, we didn't have to do anything. Just send a couple of wires. You know, I love being a private lender. And, you know, I jumped in there and I started responding and then people started, you know, reaching out to me because they knew that they lended the money to me. So now it's like more private lenders. So like you said, it's, it's, it's a lot of money out there. You just got to let people know exactly what you're doing and keep your ears and your eyes open. Yeah. The harder part almost now is uh, it's almost too much private money coming at us. Like, you know, because you want to, whoever's kind of lending to you, you want to keep their money busy because, you know, you get, I get done with a project and they're like, did you guys next? got something else? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want the cash back. You know, that was, that was nice. So yeah, it almost eventually then turns into a problem of like, you know, trying to stay busy enough to keep, keep your lenders happy. But we paid over a hundred thousand dollars out in interest last year. And it was all to friends and family, which is really cool. Oh, you know, you yeah. think instead of having to pay, you know, to institutional bank or something like that, all the money's just going back to, to people that are in our lives and that, that, you know, we created win-win situations for. Yeah. And once you get that track record, man, it's easy. I mean, because then people, like I said, they start tooting your horn, horn for you and you don't have to go out there and try and look for money. And one thing that I always tell people is when you're raising private capital is, and I learned this from, from a guy that I was close to is, you know what, you're not really borrowing money. You're not going begging and asking. You're presenting them with an opportunity, you know, so you got to look at it a little bit differently. Hey, you got this 200 grand. What you going to do? You're going to sit it in the bank and not make anything or, or invest it in the stock market, Bitcoin, where it fluctuates so much, or, you know, you can lend it or you can let us work the money for you, you know, and get a nice return on your money. Which, which option do you prefer? Yeah. I, I mean, I always like to try to keep all my lenders, anyone giving me money, treat them like gold. Right. But when you really break it down, I think, you know, who's, who's providing more value. I, I would say probably us as the investor, because yep. there's a lot of people out there, like, like you said, with money on the sidelines. Um, but there's not a lot of people that really know how to consistently know what to do with it, to be able to put it in kind of these safe, secure, 
you know, projects backed by real estate. So yeah, it's, it's hard to find guys like us, guys that you actually know and not just, you know, you, you might see a lot on the internet, but then actually when you break it down of like, who do I actually going to trust sending a hundred thousand dollars or $200,000 wire to, it's hard to find those relationships. So yeah, it's, it's really a win-win, which there's nothing better than when you can do that, whether it's with a seller, a lender or whoever you're working with. Yep. So let's, let's kind of, let's kind of recap here just a little bit. So Ricky, you're here in Phoenix. You have a team, small team in New Jersey, your close friend from college and two, what, two or three other buddies that help you with the acquisition side. So yep. not, not a huge overhead. People believe you got to have this massive team. You got to do tons of deals in order to make things happen. That's absolutely false. You know, it depends on how you want your life structured. And Ricky, okay. just for, yeah, just for me listening to you, you know, you were like, hey, I don't want this large sales team. Been there, done that. I just want to be able to generate revenue, you know, keep it lean, keep it scaled small, and let's just run, run it like crazy. Yeah, let's just do deals, man. Let's <laughs> rock and roll, you know? <laughs> yep, yep. You got it. You got it. So, man, how did you get into into lending because I know you've been raising this private money. So sure. now how did you now then turn around and start lending? Yeah. So we, we started building our, our brand Flip Lab, which I was really inspired by a lot of the guys in Phoenix, you know, Guru Capital USA. Yep. But uh, I mean, for me, the real estate disruptors, guys like Pace Morby, Brent Daniels, Cody Sperber, a lot of these guys um, watching their content, you know, really inspired me. So we started making content ourselves, kind of started growing an audience. And what we realized, a lot of people from all over the country will reach out and they need help with deals and they want us to buy deals, but we don't want to buy deals nationwide. You know, we're really just focused on buying in our own backyard. So we transitioned into, you know, how can we kind of really help these people? And the number one question I get on social media by far is I want to get started in real estate, but I don't have don't any have money. money. <laughs> yep. I don't know how to fund deals. So we started Flip Lab Capital. Essentially, we're just doing all investment loans. So if you need a hard money loan, you need a rental loan, um, you need transactional funding. If you want to pivot from a wholesale to a same day double close, pretty much any type of loan that you need uh, on the investment side. So not, you know, we're not conventional. If you want to go buy a personal house, that's not us. Hit up Rock and Mortgage or whatever, but any investment loan is, is what we'll do. So we kind of, I think where we, you know, there's a lot of hard money lenders out there. I think kind of what we want to focus on is really just working with the investors and helping them understand as a, from a flipper's mindset, what's the best way for you to fund this? So maybe, you know, if all of a sudden the hard money lo loan for a new investor, maybe we could fund 70% of the project. They got to come up with that other 30%. There's a lot of different creative ways, whether that's raising private money, them utilizing maybe a HELOC or credit or something that they have on their end, bringing in, in equity partners and then figuring out a split that's advantageous for the both of them. So we're really trying to focus on working with investors directly to be able to just fund and structure the deals, however it's kind of best fit. Okay, man, sounds good. Sounds like you you guys got a lot of things that's going on that's, that's pretty good, man. So I just want to wish you much success to you and continue success. You know, we're right here in Phoenix. So I get a chance to see your progress, you know, see how you're doing, seeing where things are going. So man, congratulations to you. So this is what we're going to do now, Ricky. We're going to put you on a hot seat, man. We're going to put Ricky on the hot seat. So guys, real quick. So Ricky, mm -hmm. answer these questions for me. Um, starting, 
out, what would you do differently? I think if I did one thing differently, probably would have joined like a, a group or a mentorship. I've, I've never paid for any coaching, any mentorships, anything like that. But I think I probably could have, YouTube's great. Don't get me wrong. I literally learned how to wholesale and, and grow a million dollar flipping business, like pretty much through YouTube and, mm -hmm. and free stuff. But I think like the small investment I could have made into a group of just other people doing the same things where I could ask a quick question and get a bunch of feedback back would have been helpful. So joining a community, I think I would have did, would have been really helpful starting out. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. What is your greatest commodity outside of cash? I would say this computer that we're talking on where most okay. of my business is done, whether it's making content, you know, using all these systems and way to find deals, but man, I don't know what I would do without my computer every day. Okay. All right. And what drives your My future family. I'm not married. I don't have kids yet, but it's things I definitely want in life. You know, I'm 29. I envision myself, you know, in my mid thirties and, you know, I have some kids and I never have to miss a baseball game or, you know, I could drive them to school every day or whatever it is, but just being able to build my life up where I don't have to work as hard as I do today by the time I, I have a, a family and kids and I could be really present with them. Okay. And then what do you believe is your greatest challenge if it's internal or external? I would say just, just trying to do too much at once. Sometimes a lot of ideas, a lot of things we want to do, but just not spreading ourselves too thin and just, just really figuring out how to, how to kind of grow and delegate. I think we struggle a little bit with that probably why we're still in the trenches, but you know, I think it's a little better to spend more time in the trenches than to delegate too soon. So there you something go. We'll, we'll work on as the years years go by. Okay. And then any good book recommendations you have? Napoleon Hill is uh, probably my favorite author. So Outwitting the Devil, Think and Grow Rich. Those are like okay. awesome books. Yeah. I would just, Napoleon Hill, re okay. read anything of his. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then lastly, man, how can we find you? How can we get connected to you? You know, follow your journey. And if we need money, how can we reach you? Yeah. So go to thefliplab.com. That's going to kind of give you all of our links to uh, the Flip Lab podcast on all streaming services. Flip Lab Capital, like I said, we're doing loans. Check us out on YouTube at the Flip Lab. And we're on TikTok, Instagram. So just, okay. just do a search for the Flip Lab and, and you'll find us however you like to consume content or shoot me a message on Instagram if you ever need help too. Okay. So guys, you heard it right there. Go to the Flip Lab, search the Flip Lab on all on platforms. Google. And you'll be able to find Ricky right there. So, Ricky, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you here being on the show. Guys, you know what to do. You got the information. You got the content. Get out there and make things happen and take action. Thanks, Marcus. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items, and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. 
Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.